Praise the Lord. Come on, church. We are celebrating something today. Jesus Christ overcame death and hell. We have something to worship about, something to praise about. Amen? We've been set free. God is so good. Oh, all the time? No, no, God is good. I said all the time. <laughs> that, it's just an old thing. I remember that back in the day. Awesome. Well, hey, if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to Nehemiah chapter 2. And I'm going to title this message, All Hands on Deck. All Hands on Deck. Originally, when you heard the term, all hands on deck, it meant that there was a cry. There was a signal that... that, that uh, was used on a ship, and it was an emergency moment to indicate that all crew members are to go on deck. It indicated that the involvement of the whole crew or the whole team is required. And I would say to us today that the call has gone out to the church, that God, by his spirit, through his word, has called his people into action. That we've been called as God's people to be all hands on deck, right? We're to be ready. But just looking at the world and its current events over the past two years or a few years, if you have not heard the call, the emergency uh, call in your spirit, then you have not been awakened. You see, God has called us. He has saved us. He has transformed us to be his people, to be the living church to be the light, to be a city on the hill, to be involved in kingdom work, to roll up our sleeves and say, God, your will be done. Use me. I'm available. I'm in. He didn't save us to sleep away and slumber to the sounds of the waves in the lower decks, stay in our little busy, you know, area and stay all nice and cozy. But he's called us to be all hands on deck, to be ready, to be alert, to be advancing, to be moving forward, taking opportunities to serve God and his kingdom. It's a call from the Lord for all of us to say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. God, that I want to be a part of your kingdom work here on earth, and I want to be a part of what you are interested in. Jesus says, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. This is not to be used as a moment of defense, but rather the church is actively, aggressively reclaiming territory for the Lord. Lives are truly being rescued and transformed, discipled, and then doing ministry. This morning I want to talk about a guy that was all on board with God. He's one of my favorite people in the Bible, outside of Jesus, of course. But he was a man of prayer. He was a man of vision, a man of of action. Not only was he on board, he knew how to get others on board with God's plan. He was a game changer. He was an influencer before it was cool to be an influencer. But he was a God influencer, a great leader, and his name is Nehemiah. When we look at Nehemiah's life, Nehemiah was was serving the king in Persia. Uh, He held a very important political position in the king's court as the king's cupbearer. His position would have come with great wealth, comfort, and influence. It meant that Nehemiah was, was very well off, that he was really comfortable, okay? And he had nothing to worry about until one day. 
Have you ever had one of those one days? Everything was going good, everything's great, everything's comfortable until one day. He hears the emergency sirens go off. He hears the report that back home, in his homeland in Jerusalem, the city walls, the gates had been burned to the ground, and God's people are in great trouble and in disgrace. When hearing the news, Nehemiah's heart is burdened. And the Bible says that he begins to weep, that he begins to fast, he begins to pray. Not just a, a five-minute prayer thrown it up. It says he prayed night and day. That's a true leader right there. That he weeped, he fast, and he prayed. It's in his heart and his spirit to go to Jerusalem, and it's about a thousand miles away to go to help God's people, to help rebuild the wall. Now you have to understand for Nehemiah, to go and to help the people, he had to go before the king. He he had to stick out his neck literally. And go before the king and request the king's permission that he could leave. And it could cost him his life. At that moment, the Bible says that Nehemiah was scared for his life. In fact, the scripture says, very much afraid. That means scared, right? Very much afraid. It was a dangerous task. Going before the king in this manner and asking permission to leave was a huge risk. But we know that, that we've learned to do anything great for God. It's going to take you out of your comfort zone, right? There's some risk involved. It takes faith. It takes trust. Nehemiah was praying for the favor from the king, for the, with the king. And, and guess what? Have, I mean, have you ever prayed for favor with your boss? You ever prayed favor with someone that you, maybe a coworker, somebody you work with? And check this out. In God came through for Nehemiah and gave him favor with the king. Could have cost him his life. And the king not only gave Nehemiah permission to leave, but also the king made provision for him to get all the supplies to rebuild the wall and the gates. How awesome is God that he can do anything? He's just looking for someone to answer the call and to trust him and to move and to do the impossible, and God will make it possible. What if Nehemiah said, you know what, I'm a little scared. This is too dangerous. I'm not going to do it. No mission, no vision. So Nehemiah travels about a thousand miles. I want you to think about this. I mean, we're talking about, there's no American Airlines. There's no Toyotas. I mean, he has to travel via camel. Right? A thousand miles from Susa to Jerusalem. I mean, have you ever experienced jet lag? I mean, can you imagine the camel lag that Nehemiah felt? It, I mean, it took him about two to three months to get to Jerusalem. I mean, I'm pretty sure he got off the camel and he was, he was sore for a long time. Now, I feel like you can, I can really preach a point right here. Listen, getting to where God wants you isn't always easy. I talked about that a few weeks ago. When God calls us somewhere, it doesn't mean that there's not going to be any trials and tribulations, some hardships, right? Sometimes it, you may have to have some stinky animals around you. You may have to go through a desert. It may be a little uncomfortable, but you know that you know that you know when God speaks and God tells you that you're heading in the right direction. Nehemiah knew he had a mission and he was heading in the right direction. And here's the first thing that we learned. Being all hands on deck, there is a mission. 
And the mission for Nehemiah was to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. So much relied upon that. The people were in trouble and disgrace. Firstly, they, they had those persistent enemies that, from the north that threatened Judah. Secondly, their, their walls were down, which had great implications. In Nehemiah's day, uh, pagans thought the walls and fortification that surrounded a God's temple reflected his strength. And so the lack of the city walls in Jerusalem reflected badly on the character of God in the eyes of Judah's neighbors. And it also left the temple unprotected against further attacks and desecration. Nehemiah recognized the mission to rebuild the walls of Jerusalem. So there's this great and daunting mission that lays before Nehemiah. And when Nehemiah arrives in Jerusalem, he initially, he keeps the mission a secret. He goes out during the night to survey the damage for himself. It's really extensive. He sees where the wall has been torn down, burned with fire. There's even one spot that's so devastated that he's unable to get through. And so once Nehemiah had surveyed the damage, he calls all God's people together. This is like the pep rally moment. This is the brave hard moment for, for Nehemiah. And he calls on them to rebuild the wall. And let's look at verse 17 in chapter 2. It says, but now I said to them, you know very well what trouble we are in. Jerusalem lies in ruins, and its gates have been destroyed by fire. Let us rebuild the wall of Jerusalem and end this disgrace. Then I told them about how the gracious hand of God had been on me and about my conversation with the king. They replied at once, yes, let's rebuild the wall. There's three things that Nehemiah share to get all hands on deck. Number one is the mission. Number two is the vision. Number three is testimony. Listen, there's a mission here. There's a need. Number two, Nehemiah gives a vision for answering the mission, that need. And number three, Nehemiah gives a testimony that brings encouragement and fire to the mission and vision. Testimony is powerful. It reminds you of God's faithfulness, that how good God is. If he's done it before, we know that God can do it again, that he is faithful. He shares with them about how God gave him favor with the king of Babylon. Greatest king in the world gave me favor to come to you. Not only did he come to me, give me favor to come to you, but he also says, listen, here's some things. Here's provision for your trip to rebuild the walls. You ever had one of those experiences where you believe God is leading you in a specific direction? And as he does, it it just seems like he confirms it on every step of the way. The doors begin to open for you. Even though you may go through a hard time, you still feel a peace inside about it. It's a powerful thing to walk through. And so Nehemiah is basically telling the people, look, guys, God is with us. He made it very clear, we can do this. Listen, I know it's been like that for for 70 years, but I'm telling you now, God is with us. He is moving. He's given us favor with the king. Listen, I'm telling you, you can trust in the Lord. We can do this. The people who lived there were were well aware of the need, and they lived daily in a state of devastation and vulnerability. They had enemies threatening from without and from within. The people were well aware of the opposition. Not only did they have foreign enemies, but there were those of power in the, of influence in Jerusalem who even in this broke down state of things, they continue to prey on the weak and exploit them. And up until this point, they were obviously been no vision, 
no unity, no faith for the mission to rebuild the wall. Seventy years, 70 long years, they have been in this state of ruin with little to no progress. Years after years, cycle after cycle, beat down, broken. And Nehemiah brings to this moment the mission, the vision, the testimony of God's favor. Brings hope. And the people respond with a great enthusiasm, says, let's do it. All hands on deck. Let's start rebuilding. But check, check this out. Immediately, as they begin to work. Someone turn to your neighbor and say immediately. i got to wake you guys up here. Immediately, as they begin to work, it's right there in the next verse, there's opposition. There's opposition. It's the voice of doubt. They were mocked and ridiculed. The enemy immediately tries to undermine the work with lies and manipulation, right? What, what are you doing? Why are you trying to rebel? Listen, anytime we're walking in obedience to the Lord and want to see the glory of God, there will be opposition. You think the devil should say, all right, go ahead and do whatever God wants you to do. But Nehemiah keeps the mission. He keeps the vision and the testimony of God out front. You have to keep reminding yourself, no, God has called me. God has given me the vision. Here's the testimony. I believe what God can do because he did it yesterday. He can do it today. Verse 20, Nehemiah says, I answered them by saying, the God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. So determined, God's people, man, began to go to work, all hands on deck. When looking at chapter 3 of Nehemiah, it's an incredible roll call of unit after unit of people groups who worked as a series of links to create a chain that circled the entire wall of Jerusalem. Some groups were, were co-workers. Some were families. Some groups were by demographics. Some were just partners in the labor. And it was uh, people from all walks of life, priests and tradesmen and government officials and people that even made perfume. I was like, that has to be ladies in there, right? It's rich and, and the poor alike worked side by side tirelessly for the mission to rebuild the wall. I love this picture because this is a picture of unity in God's people. It really encompasses what the church should look like. That everybody's working together, doing their part, all hands on deck. In 1 Corinthians 12, 12, it says, Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all as many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. I love it there are many different people doing their part, but they're all working together in unity for the same cause. Different people. Different strengths, different gifts, but all working together like a puzzle, coming together. In 1 Corinthians 1.10, Paul says, I appeal to you, dear brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, to live in harmony with each other. Let there be no divisions in the church, rather be of one mind, united in thought and purpose. Listen, when the body, the church, us, right, is unified by the Spirit of Christ in mind, thought, in purpose, there is no devil. There is no scheme. There is no stronghold that can stand in the way of the church. The mission of God will happen, and God will be glorified. Amen. Unity is so powerful. 
In fact, in, in John chapter 17, we see Jesus praying to the Father for his disciples. And he was praying that they would be brought to complete unity so that when the world sees them, they will know that the Father sent him. That is so powerful. That when the world sees the church together, unified, with one mind, with one purpose, one accord, right? One mission, believing in the vision, going in the same direction, doing this for the Lord. When the people look at the church that's unified, the world's going to say, Jesus is real. When we're walking, living, serving, and operating in unity, it's a testimony to the world of who Jesus Christ is. The body, the church, represents and glorifies Jesus to the rest of the world. Everyone is doing their part, not competing or complaining, but complimenting one another and encouraging one another, one mind, thought, and purpose. When reading in chapter 3, it lists the families, different groups, building the wall. There, there are two accounts of these groups that really stand out to me, and the first one I, I just really love. One is found in verse 12, where it says, Shalom, son of Holoish, ruler of the half-district of Jerusalem, repaired the next section with help of his daughters. Love that. This governmental official, a man of influence, right, has the right heart, has the right spirit. He has influence and standing in the town, is repairing a section of the wall with the help of his daughters. I mean, I love the fact that, number one, he's submitting to the direction and he's doing it, but he's living out the mission with the next generation. He's showing his kids how to do this thing, how to work in unity. He's showing the next generation. He's showing them what it looks like to work in unity for the mission of God. I love this also that throughout the Bible, God uses women for ministry and to serve. I mean, that's pretty progressive. I mean, this is BC, right? And it also shows the heart of the people, that their, their hungry hearts, their ready hearts, their willing hearts to see the vision come to pass, and they're willing to work hard. I know that's not popular in today's time with some people working hard. And I shared a couple weeks ago on that, is that we pray, man, like Nehemiah did, we pray and we seek God. God, this is all you. But then we work like it relies on us. I mean, what if Nehemiah just prayed and he caught the vision, had the mission, and said, thank you, Lord, all right, somehow make it happen. Somehow, I mean, no, God says, get up and go a thousand miles on a camel. And by the way, you're going you're gonna to face some opposition here. It takes work. Man, ministry is work. Doing kingdom work is work. Kingdom work is hard at times. Man, give me some people that are all in. Say, I'm, you know what? I'm all in. I'm willing to roll the sleeves and go to work for God's kingdom. And just like I talked about a couple weeks ago in Corinthians, that when we stand before the Lord and everything goes to the fire, and we do this thing, there's going to be some rewards at the end of this thing. That's when people serve around the church. I'm like, hey, I'm not paying you. Your reward's going to be in heaven. <laughs> if you work longer than 40 hours, I'll put you on the payroll then. All right, we'll do that. But, man, we need some people that can work hard today. We trust in the Lord. We pray and we seek him, but then we, we put it to action. Man, you, you, as a pastor through the years, you kind of get to know who some of those people are. And they, in, in the church, 
usually it's just a small percentage. In TFA, I think we're a little bit larger percentage than most churches. But if you've been sitting on the sideline, say, come on, I'm ready to go. Let's get to work. How many of you guys love when you find somebody that knows how to work hard, that they do it unto the Lord? They're not lazy. It, it drives me crazy when I ask somebody to do something. It, it should take one day, but it takes them 10 days. And I know, okay, that is not the right person. Maybe the strength is not there. The, I don't know what's wrong there, but find something else. It's important, church, that we work hard. That we, you're, you're, we're going to read it in just a second, but we give all of our heart to the Lord. Anything we put our hands to. Jesus says you put your hands to the plow. You move forward. This other section that stands out to me is in verse 5. The next section was repaired by the men of Tekoa, but their nobles or leaders would not put their shoulders to the work under their supervisors. Basically, the leaders refused to work with the construction supervisors. In verse 27, which says, next to them, the men of Tekoa repaired another section. So basically, we see here, there's a group of men who are, who are building a section of the wall, and their nobles, their leaders, the men with position, with power and influence, which these men should care more than anybody else. They could have made a big difference to God's kingdom. They could have added help to Nehemiah and the vision of God. Instead, they would not submit themselves to the mission and help. Instead, they had pride. These leaders, men with positions, wouldn't contribute to the vision because they wouldn't humble themselves and submit to the leaders of that area. I mean, everyone is on the same page. They heard the vision. They know the mission. They're ready to go to work. And people are ready. They're excited. Like, man, finally, we're going to get something done. We've been devastated for all these years. And, man, they're getting ready to go to work. And these guys over here are going, I ain't doing it. I'm not on board. I like it broken. I like it the way it is for the last 70 years. I like the look of burnt walls and gates. And over the years, I've had the privilege through Jesus Christ, of course, to lead many different ministries in some church areas. There's never been a place that God has called me to without a purpose or a vision for that ministry. But every time that I, I walk in, I know God has given us a vision and a mission. And what, what do we do? We start praying. I get the people together. The lead, I start with the leaders, and, and it trickles down to everybody else. And, man, we, we get together, and we start having prayer meetings. We start praying. We start teaching on it. And, we, man, we start getting people going that direction. And, man, God is moving, and we're seeing testimonies. It's a powerful moment where culture begins to change. But there's always a few in every place I've been that will not jump in to the mission that God has given. A lot of times it's someone that has influence or some type of leadership capacity in an unhealthy environment. They are worried that they may lose control. If you fix things and make things happy then, or healthy, and then people might stop asking them for help. I might lose some of my influence. In a weird way, they prefer dysfunction over the health of the church or ministry. Nope, I like things broken. I like the way they are. And so one or two things always happens. They eventually, and this has happened in our ministries every time, eventually they, they can't deny that God is moving. The testimonies are everywhere. Healthy growth, I mean, it's just taking place. 
And God is on the move, and people are praying and seeking the Lord, and eventually they can't deny that God is moving, and they come back, and they repent. It's a beautiful thing. And they get on board, and God uses them in a beautiful way. It's, it's awesome. Or that person eventually leaves. And what they do is they take the rebellion that they have in their heart to the next church and still have no fruit or blessing from the Lord. Not from men, I'm saying, but from the Lord. The men of Tekoa are seeing this here, that, that these leaders won't help, they won't support. But instead of letting that discourage them, instead of them just giving up and saying, listen, our hands are tied, our, our leaders won't do anything, right? They won't help us. Instead of letting themselves be distracted with selfishness and pettiness of these men, they just went on down to another side of the wall and began to work. They say, all right, man, if you want to stay unhealthy, you want to be rebellious, I'll just find another part, another ministry over here, another part of the wall. That's awesome. There's tenacity, there's determination, and boldness to fulfill the mission. They were able to see and love the vision. They were able to see the big picture and not let obstacles or offense slow them down. And so they worked together in unity. Man, I can see them shoulder to shoulder working building, restoring the wall. I can hear them having conversations and, and just doing life together, building relationships. In chapter 4, verse 6, Nehemiah says, So we rebuilt the wall till all of it reached half its height, for the people worked with, again, all their heart. I want you to understand that these are people that worked. They had jobs. They had trades. They had families. And here they are doing and serving the mission of God. For the people worked with all their heart. And as Nehemiah and the people of God continue the work on the wall, they're working. And guess what happens? Here comes the devil. Right? I mean, come on, I mean, halfway done. And here comes the enemy. Did you think the devil is going to leave them alone? They're halfway done with the mission. And then the enemy comes at them. Unlike before, the enemy begins to make threats on their lives. Did you think the devil will leave us alone? Of course not. When we're doing kingdom work, he's going to continue to try to attack. Listen, church, I have rarely, if ever, seen the work of the Lord advance without the enemy opposition barreling down on it. That's why we have to be a church of prayer, a people of prayer. When we went through the COVID moment, even the aftermath of that, the aftermath of that, where people were still catching COVID, we prayed endlessly for God to protect our church. And I was hearing churches were shutting down still afterwards. And man, God came through for us. We would have, I mean, no, there was no breakout where, where everybody got sick at the same time. There was a pocket, maybe a family here on this side would get sick, and they were gone. If I knew they missed, I knew they had COVID, right? And then they'd come back, and there was a family way over here. And then, you know, family over here. It wasn't, nobody got hit all at the same time. When I had this dream and I had this vision, I shared with you guys a long time ago, when this great storm came, this was before COVID, God says, run to the storm. Don't hide back. Don't wait. Don't go in a corner and wait this thing out. This was before COVID. He says, run straight to it. What we did, we kept running straight to it. We're going to continue to do ministry. Oh, we can't gather? Okay, we're going to do life groups online. Whatever we need to do, we're going to keep pursuing and keep having the mission of God in front of us. 
We see all through the word from the Old Testament and the New Testament that as God's people walk in obedience to him, to his will, the enemy is ever-present, working to harm, destroy, and discourage, disqualify. That's why we must hold on to the Lord and keep the vision of God in front. We have to continue to testify and remind ourselves of his goodness and his faithfulness. If you have not had spiritual warfare in a while, you may want to check and see if you're doing some kingdom work. We see here that the enemy is very angry. In verse 8, they all plotted together to come and fight against Jerusalem and stir up trouble against it. Verse 11, also our enemy said, before they know it or see us, we will be right there among them and will kill them and put up and put an end to the work. In this moment... When it's the threat increases, we see people getting tired. We're seeing fear and doubt begins to creep in. The people are ready to call call it quits. They are halfway done. Come on, I think we've all been guilty, right? Got called to somewhere to do something. Somewhere in the middle, we just, man, we got beat up a little bit. Halfway done, didn't make it through. The enemy can be loud at times. And so Nehemiah leads them to meet the challenge. And at that point, the people become not only stone layers, but sword bearers. Not only masons, but military men. In verse 13, it says, Therefore I stationed some of the people behind the lowest points of the wall at the exposed places, posting them by families with their swords and spears and bows. Imagine that. Verse 14, he says, don't be afraid of them. Remember the Lord who was great and awesome and fight for your families, your sons and your daughters, your wives and your homes. Look at what happens when they decide to trust God and to stay the course. In Nehemiah 4, verse 13 through 15, it says, when our enemies heard that we were aware of their plot and that God had frustrated, we all returned to the wall, each to our own work. From that day on, verse 16, half of my men did the work while the other half were equipped with spears, shields, bows, and armors. Isn't that cool? Can you imagine that? He's like, brother, hey, I got your back. May you work on this wall? I got you. Right? There's accountability there. There's life together. Right? You say, man, you do the mission. I got this part of the mission. I'm going to protect you. Verse 17 It says, those who carried materials did their work with one hand and held a weapon in the other. And each of the builders wore his sword at his side as he worked. I mean, Nehemiah went gangster here, right? I mean, man, he's like, hey, we ain't stopping for nothing. I don't care if your lives are being threatened. We got God on our side. Remember what God can do. Pick up your sword. Pick up your Bible. Make this, make this holy right now. Pick up your Bible, it's the sword, and go and do the work of God. Do the mission. They had seen the wall laid to waste, many of them, for their entire lives, and now they were seeing it restored. And they, because they, with all their heart, they were working hard, they are now part of the process. They are being used by God to see this great thing happen. In Nehemiah 6, verse 15, it says, So on October the 2nd, the wall was finished, just, what, 52 days after we had begun. 52 days, something that they could not do for 70 years. They did it in 52 days. 
Check this out about the enemies in verse 16. When all of our enemies heard about this, all the surrounding nations were afraid and lost their self-confidence because they realized that this work had been done with the help of our God. Come on, church. When's the last time our enemies been scared? When's the last time that we step out and risked everything for the mission of God? They had the faith like, like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and says, you know what? World, I don't care, devil, you can throw us in, but my God can deliver us. But just in case he doesn't, I'm still not bowing down. I'm still not giving in. I'm going to continue to move forward with the work that God's given to us. Sometimes God doesn't come through for us because we won't go to bat for him. We're not willing to walk out and take a step of faith. They had fear as well. But Nehemiah says, remember the testimony. Remember that God is faithful and that God is good and that he will get us through. This is what a picture of the church should look like, that they linked arms. They surrounded the wall. Right, we're different body parts, but one body the body of Christ, the people of God. And we began together, we linked arms, and we began to walk together in power, in the spirit of the Lord, for the mission of God. And we see it come to pass, whatever God has called us to do. Every person is at peace to the overall mission. You have a place. You belong to be on the deck. If God has saved you and transformed your life, you need to be involved. Some, some type of kingdom work, and I understand that people are called in different places for different ministries. Glory to God. We're all on the same team. But here in TFA, I, I, I love what God's been doing the past couple years. Love it. We have seen many people saved. We've seen over, over 100 people get baptized. We've seen people get healed. We heard in Hobby Lobby that somebody was testifying about what God is doing. This is in a different city, what God's doing in our church. Last week, I got a call that we've been praying for uh, this one guy. He has cancer, and he called. And he says, listen, I went to the doctor, and my report came back. I have no cancer. He's been battling cancer for over a year. And on Thursday, we've been praying and praying for him. And God is faithful. He's good. God is moving. And I want to jump in and go, God, what do you want to do? I'm available. I'm available. What happens is if there's, if there's a family that decides or leaders or whatever that decides, you know what, I ain't doing this. There's a piece of the wall that lays bare. Can you imagine the greater numbers, greater power? They come together, man, and begin to work if everybody's doing their job, doing what they're called to do. And so I want to, in a minute, I'll have the worship team come up and we'll do an altar call and we'll talk more a little bit about this. But I do want to let you know that we're working hard to make sure that you have places to serve. When we have new people that come in, we've had people that have given their hearts and their life to Jesus who dropped their kids off at Littles. That their kids had a place to go. Same thing with kids. Our connection team. Did you know that people will determine if they're going to come back in the first three minutes by how you greet them? Yikes. Nothing to do with the pastor. Nothing to do with the worship team. If you have a bad day that day, I may not get them back. Right? You better smile. 
You better fake it till you make it, right? <laughs> but every ministry is so important that when you minister, when you, when you, when you go, God, I'll, I'll serve, I'll do this or do that, what you're doing, you're serving the Lord that day. You're serving Jesus. And you're allowing somebody else to enjoy worship. The presence of God. As we grow as a church, I believe there's going to be more places that you can serve. I just want to mention just a few of them because in two weeks we're going to have our dream team meeting. And I want you to be familiar with some of the places. Of course, I've hit on a lot of these. But first, we have our littles. This is our leaders, uh, our littles leaders team. Man, I love this group. I love littles. Um, You can give them a hand. You see there's families, there's, there's men that are in this as well. I love it. And uh, when these babies are dropped off, when these littles are dropped off, this team has prayed for them, has loved them. Listen, we know that kids can be little boogers at time, right? <laughs> we can't control what's going on in their home. Some of them come to us. Torn families. We had one little baby that cried the whole time and his dad was killed like just a couple days before. You just never know what these babies and kids are going through. But we're here to love them. We're here to teach them about Jesus. And not every day is perfect. Um, here is VBS. They got to volunteer for VBS. And, man, had an awesome VBS. And this is part of our leaders as well. Here's some of the littles here. And what's cool about this, and I love this the most, is that these babies are going home and sharing Jesus with their, with their parents. Their parents are coming back to us and sharing what the babies are saying. It's really, really awesome. Powerful testimonies. Uh, the next one we have is, of course, going to be our kids' ministry. So let me say it with our littles real quick. We need more. We need more people to serve in that area. When you say, Pastor Stephen, uh, I don't like babies, but I like, okay, you can talk to, to the leader and go, because some people have a hard time with changing diapers. I get that. I get it. That ain't, it's not my gift. That's probably nobody's gift to change diapers. But you're serving. You're serving. And that will fit you. And I promise you, we're not a church. I know you've been to a church where you get stuck. You're like, I volunteer. Yes, I'll do it for the Lord. And two years later, you're still back there. And you're like, I can't stand this mission, right? We're not going to do that to you. You'll get to rotate out. You're not going to get stuck back there. Okay? Um, but I would encourage you to pray. That's a powerful ministry, and we're always needing workers. Uh, we have several classes back there. And when we got here, there was hardly anybody back there. there was, and, and, and God has multiplied that thing. It's awesome. Next is our kids' ministry. It's Pastor Philip and Sarah. And uh, this is when they went to camp. And they're over in the gym. And you love to minister to kids. This is your place. If you want to come on Dream Team Night and you want to learn more about what they're doing and what division of, of, of kids, come on that night. But they would love for you to join their team. Um, we have, what's next, guys? This is our special events, right? This is our kitchen crew. This is uh, Miss Carol right here that's, that's overseeing our kitchen, and she's going to lead that night on, on those that love to cook and those that love to serve and uh, whatever capacity that looks like. Uh, she's going to talk about that. And we have, this is our newcomer's dinner, and this is under special events. You see here Matt and Ann at one time... They were new, and they came to the newcomer's dinner. And now here they are under special events. They gave up their Friday night, Saturday night, Friday night. Oh, 
where they went. Okay, and, and, and oh, there they are again, and they're serving. And they're serving. That's what it's all about. They came to church, newcomers, committed to the mission, said, you know what, sign me up. I want to serve new people. And this was a special event. So this isn't every weekend. This isn't every month. These are special events that take place, and we need people to serve. There's Faithful Ken. He's making pancakes right there. There's our kitchen crew, part of them. And, uh, man, they are just so awesome. They really do a great job every time we have an event. So here's our care team, and this is where um, hospitality would take place uh, when somebody has a death in the family. Uh, We want to help provide meals for them. Uh, We want to make sure that we we visit people, we follow up with people. Um, If somebody had surgery and things like that, um, we we have done that, but we have never really got a whole team together. And so if you want to be a part of that, there's a lot more that goes into that. Um, but Mercedes is going to be leading that ministry for us. And, man, we, we need to be the church. When our people are hurting, we need to be there for them in prayer and in support and whatever that looks like, right? And so um, let's go to our next one. Okay, this is really important. I couldn't find another picture. Sorry, Mercedes. This is the only one I could find. And, uh, but this is our greeters team. This is our, connect, our connection, really, our connect team. And, and this falls with greeters, right? And I talked about that just a moment ago. Um, we have greeters outside, inside. But also, it's a part of our cookie visits. How many of you guys have got some cookies before? Yeah, yeah, awesome. Um, I can't tell you of how many testimonies we've heard on the cookie visits where our people go there and give cookies to new people and end up praying with them. Um, and they go, man, I needed this right now to hear this. And it's just powerful. And, uh, and so we got cookie visits underneath that. We have our ushers. If you want to be an usher, you would be a part of the Connect team. Um, I may be missing something, but this is our, our Connect team. I call you guys the first responders because they're going to see you first. Um, next is our media team. Or creative arts team. Um, if we need uh, people that know about sound or like to learn about sound, um, that likes to work a camera, and on, we have an online service as well. Um, we need somebody that likes to take pictures because we're using the same person over and over again, um, or like to, to learn in that uh, photography. Um, so there's a lot of different places under the creative arts, so you can come to Dream Team and, and learn about that. The next is a prayer team, and uh, you don't have to sign up for that. Okay, Sister Baker leads that. You just need to show up on Thursday and be ready to pray. And that's Thursday at 11 o'clock, and that's every week. Next, we have our prime timers. And uh, I know uh, Ken, Pastor Ken and Lily are putting together a group of people that would like to serve, and there's different places that you can serve with the prime timers, our group that are 55 and older. And so uh, I know there's different places available to serve. And so you'll want to go on Thursday, go to their group if you want to learn more about prime timers. Awesome. I just wanted to let you guys know, as the church is moving forward, we're going to need people to serve. need people to serve. I love the fact that Nehemiah and the people, they had lives, they had families, but they still took up the, the mission and says, count me in, all hands on deck. I want us to worship you make their way up and I ask that you stand to your feet t- this morning. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you, Lord, that you go before us. God, I thank you that you speak to us, Lord, and that you give us vision, direction, 
You give us a mission, Lord. God, the overall mission is found in Matthew 28. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, God. That's what our church needs to do. In every ministry, Lord, we need to make disciples. We are a people, Lord. May we put our hands to the plow, roll up our sleeves, and say, your, your kingdom come, thy will be done. Before I go any further this morning, with your heads bowed and your eyes closed, do you need Jesus? Are you away from him? Do you have a relationship with him? If not, today's the day of salvation. I'm just going to ask you plainly, do you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior? Because his spirit will come in, set you free, make you free, give you new life, put you on the road of righteousness. He loves you. Today's that day for you. ask you, if you're in this place and you need a relationship with Jesus, we just raise your hand. I'm going to count to three and you just raise your hand. One. Come on, he's knocking. Two. Three. All over. I just want to look real quick. Raise your hand. If God is tugging, thank you. I said that hand. Anybody else? If God is moving on your heart, that's the Lord. Just submit to it. Just raise your hand up really quick and put it back down. Thank you. I see that hand. Anybody else? Okay, with your eyes closed, your heads bowed, I'm going to ask. Maybe you're on this journey and you got some spiritual battles going on. You're saying, God, I'm all in, all hands on deck. I'm here, Lord. Whatever you want me to do, I say yes to you, to the mission. Man, I am going through this spiritual battle. And just like Nehemiah, he had to come and, and encourage and, and remind him of the testimony that this morning you just need some encouragement. This morning, maybe you just need somebody to pray with you. That's you this morning. Say, Pastor, that's me, man. I'm going through a desert moment. I need some encouragement. I need God to come through for me. We just raise your hands. Say, Pastor, that's me. I'm going to open up the altars here in a moment. Hands are going up. Hands are going up. ask you to raise your hands on this, but if you've been sitting on the sidelines, if you haven't been all your heart, right, work hard with all your heart for God's kingdom, and you can do more, I'm going to ask today that the Holy Spirit will turn the searchlights on and say, you can do more. You can give more time. You can do ministry. You can be on a team. You can do kingdom work. I want to encourage you that you would do that. You can look at me. Listen, if you raised your hand for salvation, listen, it's the greatest decision that you can make. That is why we're here. It's for your life to be transformed. On the road to darkness, the road to light, the road to hell, the road to heaven. So don't chicken out. Don't let fear grab you. Come up here. Let's pray the prayer. I got a Bible for you. I let God change your life. For the rest of us, if you just need to reflect and need some encouragement, I want to open up the altars. We're, we're, we got some time here. I want to open up the altars. Will you just take a few moments? And if anybody else says, hey, you know what, Pastor, I'm good, just worship Jesus then. Worship Jesus right where you're at. But as people come up, we'll, and if you're good, will you just come and lay your hands on them and pray with them and join with them? Amen. So I want to open up the altars. 
those that want to give their heart and their life to Jesus, will you meet me right down here? And I'd love to talk to you.